I never believed in ghosts until I became face to face with one. Aaron, go in. <laughs> Aaron, go in. <laughs> no, Zach. Dude, I'm not going in there, man. No, do it. Do it. No, man, I'm not doing it. My biceps tell you to. <laughs> well. everyone hello welcome to episode five of the insomnia report our second paranormal story the cycle begins again okay yes nice welcome if it's your first episode if you've tuned in before welcome back we're super excited to have you i'm elizabeth i'm margo and we are just two roommates having a conversation about the things that keep us awake at night yeah so what has kept you up this week? Uh, well, I think you know this. Um, Does it rhyme with smatchlerette? <laughs> no. Oh. Actually. Well, <laughs> yes, that's another thing. No, I mean, I already talked about the bachelorette on this podcast. Um, last, the last episode was just secondhand embarrassment. It was so bad. It was really bad. But I wanted to talk about. A certain vampire movie uh. <laughs> that we recently started rewatching, Twilight. Yep, we. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't watched it probably since they came out back when we were in middle school, and wow, it's bad. It's so bad, but we've both been listening to the soundtrack like on repeat because it's so good. It doesn't have the right to be as good as it is, but it slaps, as you yeah. say. The, the New Moon soundtrack changed my taste in music, like, literally yeah. forever. It's the reason why I like the music I like. So, yeah. So, thank you to whoever did that. And I just feel bad for Rob because he's actually a good actor. It's just... He's so talented. I think it was just the writing and... And the direction. And, I, and I'm not a fan of Kirsten Stewart, so... Yeah. Yeah. Kristen Stewart. I'm yeah. not a fan. Anyway. So, I've been thinking a lot about Twilight and... Like, specifically the reasons it's bad and, like, how I wish it could be bad. I could write an essay on this. Let's, let's, okay, so once we're done watching all five movies, we'll talk about it. Okay, that I, sounds good. I would love to read your essay, though. Thank you. Perfect. What about you? So, I had never seen Hocus Pocus before, and oh, yeah. Elizabeth was outraged, and <laughs> so we watched it, and it was cute. I, I typically don't like a lot of things that have a lot of hype, I'm a kind of a brat like that but I enjoyed it I thought it was cute I just felt really bad for this kid because all they did was emphasize the fact that he was a virgin and I'm like well you were in high school you should be but they're like this virgin but the candle like poor kid and it's like targeted at kids and they probably don't even know what that means no when I was a kid I messed up virgin and virgo I thought they were like the same thing I didn't know any better but no I enjoyed it I kind of wish it was intended for 
a more like I wish it was like a PG-13 version of it I feel like it'd be yeah they could do a lot more with it but it was cute I enjoyed it so thank you for convincing me to watch it you are so welcome (laughs) it's a classic of course we hope you had a great Halloween because this comes out on November 1st how the heck is it November what is November 1st is that all Sunday oh yes all Saints Day so we hope the veil you didn't you didn't get tricked by any spooky yuki ghosts or anything yeah <laughs> right right so have um, a safe we hope you had a safe and happy halloween yes and we hope you washed your hands and enjoyed all the candy my personal favorite is reese's same um can't go wrong with peanut butter no oh, unless and you're allergic <laughs> yeah and then don't eat it then don't we advise no. not please actually don't. please don't i'm gonna light the candle um i think you're going first this week right yep okay Third time's the charm. Okie dokie. All right, the so, candle's lit. The candle's lit, so let's also get lit. lit. No. Um, so We're drinking tea we're drinking for reference. Tea. We don't, yeah, we haven't tried alcohol while recording yet. One day, not we today. Will, maybe. Eventually, I'm sure. So, round two for paranormal. Super excited. What do you mm-hmm. have for me? Alrighty. So you may or may not already know this one. People in Chicago and around Chicago, you may or may not also know this one. It's pretty well known around here. So I'm excited. Okay. So picture this. Okay. My my eyes are closed. Let's go. All right. It's the late 1930s. Okay. You're a man. Okay. A little bit of a gender swap here. All right. All right. So wait, what's my name? You can make one up. I want to be. I want to be Charles. Oh, I like that. I like that. Charles. I want that to be the name of my firstborn son if I oh. have kids. Anyway, I love so that. I'm Charles. Okay. I'm I'm Charles, and I'm from Chicago. Yeah, you are from the southwest side of Chicago. Oh, okay. I can't. I don't even know an accent. <laughs> okay, go on. Da bears. Da bears. All right. Oh, okay. Oh, in the wind right. city. All right. <laughs> All right, you go with your story. It's 1930. Yep. Okay. So you that sounded like a Minnesota accent. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Oof, that. I only know, like, you know, people say, like, tree instead of three mm-hmm. or instead of front Tree tardy and a turd. Right. My grandma right. says French room instead of front room. That's cute. Anyway. Uh, okay. So it's the late 30s. You're a man named Charles. Charles. Apparently. Right now, yeah. Yeah, so you are so excited because you are gonna go dancing. <gasps> Stop! I love it. I know, and I, I I am upset that this isn't still a thing, like mm-hmm. where you can go out and dance to like big band right. music instead of like whatever they play on the radio. Not like dissing that stuff, but like I want. I just want to go swing dancing. I you wanna, know? Yeah. So and have a live band and do the Charleston, and even if that was like in the twenties, but still, you know what I mean, right? Like right. the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, you know, yes, exactly. Yeah, yes. I want that. Okay, so Charles is definitely into that. Yes. So you are going to go dancing at the O. Henry Ballroom, which is in Willow Springs, Illinois. It's right outside of Chicago. Cool. It was actually a super popular ballroom back in the day, and the city even rerouted some of the bus routes to have them go like directly there. That was nice of them. Yeah. Thanks, Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you put on your favorite suits and your favorite tie. What do you think your favorite tie looks like? I think it's green, like okay. a dark green. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. All right. And you get in your Chevy Cabriola, or okay. is it Chevy Cabriolet? Let? Cabriolet? No. Cabriolet. Chevy Crowley? I, I don't know. I'm not a... Should we look it up? I, I don't care. Okay. I'm not a car person. I get into my Chevy. Yes, your Chevy. And you're cruising around with the top down. Okay. And you're... my car's name is Beatrice. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> And so you get to the O. Henry Ballroom and you park and you're there to see the local band Chet Barsutis and his Merry Men. They're a big band. Okay. Band, you know? I'm excited. I've had tickets for it this all like week. Fun. It got me through right. my day of building skyscrapers. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm just painting a picture for Charles. <laughs> right. Right. You know, whatever people did back then. <laughs> I don't know. You work. You could work at stockyards. You could maybe I worked at Marshall Fields. Oh I don't, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you did. Who knows? Charles is a is a classy man. Yeah, I'd like He's to think a man of the world, a Renaissance man. He, he can do whatever he wants. Yes. All right. So you get inside. You start drinking as one does, mm -hmm. and you're like you know smoking your cigarettes when that was still legal to smoke inside. You're just having a grand old time and you're like pretty confident at this point because you've been drinking and you see a pretty blonde girl named Elizabeth. Oh, hi. Thank you. I met you in a past life. Oh my God, it's me. <laughs> hi. <laughs> we can explore this further. <laughs> um, maybe do a past life regression. Yes. One of these days. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. Go no, on. No, no. So, so I see a pretty blonde woman. You see woman. a pretty blonde girl in a white dress Ooh. hanging out alone and you approach her and you ask her to dance and she says yes and she smiles yes. at you and you start to dance and she doesn't really talk a lot but she tells you her name's Mary and she lives on Damon Avenue uh, in the Brighton Park neighborhood not far from where you live and then you slow dance to begin the begin or however you'd say that. I can't pronounce words today. I know the song though, so whatever. And when you bring her in close to slow dance, you feel her skin, it's cold. So she's a ghost. Brittle. Just wait. Okay. Just okay. wait. Okay. Oh, so we're dancing. We're so you're dancing time. and you say cold hands mean you have a warm heart and she laughs and then you dance with her the rest of the night. So once the music stops, which... Who knows how late people danced back then? I'll say 11.30. Yeah, probably not so, not <laughs> any obscene hour. You offer her a ride home, and she accepts, and she says, you just drive straight up Archer Avenue. And so you do. And after a few miles, she asks you to pull over. And you do, and you notice you're right in front of Resurrection Cemetery. Huh. And Mary says... I have to go and you can't follow me and she gets out and walks towards the gates and disappears oh no <laughs> just me and bertha now bertha my beatrice? car beatrice beatrice <laughs> just bertha me. can be her nickname 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Okay. So this happened to a guy named Vince. Oh. So not, not quite Charles, but almost. No. Who continued to tell the story for decades. And after Mary disappeared into the graveyard, Resurrection Cemetery, he spent all night driving up and down Archer Avenue looking for her because she was like, where did she go? Like, she's gone. Mm -hmm. And then when the sun came up and the graveyard opened, he drove through and like tried to find her because he liked her and wanted to see her again. Even after that, he was like, you're kind of gothic, but I like it. Just tone it down around my parents, okay? (laughs) You like creep me out a little bit, but it's kind of hot. It's kind of (laughs) hot. So (laughs) when he couldn't find her, he went to the address that she told him the night before and rang the doorbell and asked the middle-aged woman who answered if Mary was home. And she said, she kind of looked at him and was like, Mary doesn't live here anymore. Mary died in a car accident four years ago. Um, Who are you? And so he made up some story about going to high school with her and he didn't hear about the accident and all this stuff. And he peeked inside and as he was talking and he saw a framed photo on the piano and it was Mary, the girl he had danced with the night before. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's so eerie. So, and the woman who presumably was her mother said... Mary went out dancing with some boys she worked with, but they never made it to the dance hall. One of the boys crashed the car into the L at Wacker and Lake in the loop. Oh, my god! And she was thrown through, through the windshield and died on the way to the hospital. And she's buried in Resurrection Cemetery. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And Vince was so shaken up that he never went to a dance hall again Aww. or to Resurrection Cemetery. I mean, I can't blame him. Me neither. Honestly, that would traumatize me. That would, you know, that would happen to me. Like, you finally meet someone you really like, and you go dance, and you have a great night, and it's like, hey, we should do this thing, and it's like, I'm dead. <laughs> There's always something, you know. I There's mean, always a catch. Being dead is is a pretty big red flag, in my opinion. <laughs> You're <Well>, better off. <laughs> but at least she got to enjoy her night, and it wasn't like, you know, she was a demon or something. Yeah. Anyway. Right. So this is the story of Resurrection Mary. Okay. Known by some as Chicago's most famous ghost. I love it. Have you heard of her? I feel like I have. Like I, I think I've heard like different tales of like a woman like needing a ride. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard the dance version though. Yeah. So that's wild. Okay, cool, 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 yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So the first sighting of Resurrection Mary was in nineteen thirty nine. By some guy named Jerry. Jerry. Um, who actually saw her at the Liberty Grove Hall and Ballroom, so not the O. Henry Ballroom. She just likes to mix up her dance right. venues. Right. But throughout the years, people have said that they have seen her along the side of the road or they've met her, you know, at a dance hall or something. And then it's pretty much the same story every time she asks them to drive her home. And then she gets out of the cemetery and disappears. Some people have seen, like, her body along the side of the road. And then they freak out and they call the police or something. Or they, like... Try to help. Or, yeah, or they, like, drive somewhere to be like, can I use your phone? I saw, like, a dead woman. Or they, they think they hit someone mm. on the road. And they're like, oh, no, that was just... That's just Mary. That's just Mary. It's just Mary fooling around. <laughs> Fooled, yeah. <laughs> right. 
1979, there was an article in the Suburban Trib where a cab driver named Ralph described picking up a young woman, a young blonde woman, near a shopping center on Archer Avenue. And he she got out near Resurrection and disappeared. So these accounts are recorded of of her turning up and whatever. Yeah, this is a vanishing, the classic vanishing hitchhiker story, an urban legend trope that's pretty common Mm -hmm. across the U.S. and the world. She's always blonde, or Resurrection Mary anyway, is always blonde and in a white dress. Uh, One source described her as Polish, which isn't really unusual because the neighborhood where Mm -hmm. that is is a pretty big Polish neighborhood. The legend says, or one of, there are lots of stories about who she is, but the legend says that Mary was out one evening with a boyfriend dancing at the O. Henry Ballroom, and they got into an argument, and she left to walk home alone, but after she left, she was hit by a car. Oh, no. And died. And then her parents found her body, dressed her in a white gown and dancing shoes, and buried her in Resurrection Cemetery. So sad. Yeah, and then they say her spirit rose from the grave and wanders the cemetery grounds to haunt um, her favorite, like, dance halls and stuff. Mm -hmm. So another tidbit about her is that once the big band era was over, I guess her ghost didn't show up as much, but then in the 70s, there were more sightings of her. She she liked the disco. She was a disco queen, man. (laughs) Dancing queen. (laughs) She's love. <laughs> Dancing. <laughs> I don't know the words. To I don't either. Uh, okay. One theory is that her family buried her in a term grave, which is less expensive than a normal grave and expires after twenty-five years. What? And if you don't renew it, they move it. So they that think it's so yeah messed up. It's kind of weird. I don't like that. Yeah, and but by the time her grave expired all of her family were dead and so then her coffin was this is is a story anyway moved to a remote unmarked corner of the cemetery during a reservation that kind of like disturbed her spirit or something yeah yeah and apparently once a police officer was called because someone saw a woman in a white dress wandering around the graveyard and the policeman came and found two of the bars on the gate like pried apart with scorch marks on it that looked like handprints oh no but the cemetery says that actually a truck ran into the bars and that there's no ghost but the likely story uh, yeah (laughs) which one (laughs) are you gonna trust here people have done research on who they actually think mary was they're trying to identify someone like in the graveyard who could actually be resurrection mary Mm-hmm. One theory is Mary Bregovi, who died in 1934 when her car crashed. So like Vince described in his story, the vehicle struck an L substructure. The, if you're not in Chicago, the L is our elevated subway train. Yeah. The, it's how we get to work. Yeah. Or anywhere. How we used to in the before times i remember the l it smelled like piss <laughs> love the l love the l i love it Always especially the red line yeah oh. uh yeah i don't okay so many dreams go on <laughs> so 
Yeah, apparently the car she was in struck the L at Lake Street and Wacker downtown and she was killed. But this Mary Bergovi had short, dark hair, mm. not really matching the description of the ghost. Another theory is Anna Maria Norcus. Her parents were Lithuanian. Um, she loved to dance and she was devoted to the Virgin Mary. So she kind of adopted Mary as her middle name. I guess she was very religious. Okay. And, but she was a lot younger than people say the ghost looked. She was 12. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she apparently begged her father to take her dancing for her 13th birthday, but like before she turned 13, so she was still 12. And on the way back, uh, this was in July 1927, her father didn't see this 25-foot ditch, basically, in the road. And the car went in and flipped over, and she was crushed by it and died. That's sad. Yeah, but she was probably buried in St. Casimir Cemetery, but there's a rumor that gravediggers at the time were on strike, so they temporarily buried bodies at resurrection, um, intending to be moved later, but coffins and stuff and like preservation techniques weren't that great at the time, Sure. so they probably left some of them there. So that's another theory about who she could have been, but... No one really knows, and so Resurrection Cemetery is in Justice, Illinois, which is near the southwest side. It's 540 acres, so it's one of the largest in the U.S. Yeah, that's big. And yeah, I actually have lots of family buried there, and I've never been there, but maybe we can go sometime. Isn't Al Capone buried there? No. Oh. No, I don't think so. He's buried in Mount Carmel Cemetery in Oak Park. Okay. I knew it was in Illinois somewhere, so never mind. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so maybe one day we can go and visit my dead family members. I would love that. And look out for Mary. Let's do it. I'll wear my old dancing shoes and see if that... See if she can play some music. We might get kicked out. (laughs) (laughs) God, that would be terrible. Just play Glenn Miller's Moonlight Serenade. Oh, yeah. There's a bar across the street from Resurrection Cemetery called Chet's Melody Lounge, and every Sunday they leave a Bloody Mary at the end of the bar Aww. for Mary. What if she doesn't like tomatoes? Well, then, <laughs> you know, it's she'll just have to deal with it. A free drink's a free drink. Unfair. Yeah. So a lot of that info came from Folktales and Legends of the Middle West by Edward McClelland, as well as hauntdetective.com thelineup.com yeah so that's resurrection mary love it she she's there she's hitching rides for free as one does you got to do what you got to do when you're dead you know (laughs) yeah uh psa though please don't hitchhike otherwise not advised not advised i liked it i you know i hope she you know just keeps on dancing me too i don't ever want to see her or dance with her. Sorry, Mary. Knock on wood. Um, no, I want to. Okay. I, yeah. I don't well, know. We'll, we'll go to the cemetery. We'll figure we'll, it out. I don't want to, like, disturb her, though. Yeah. I just would ask her politely if she'd like to dance, and then I, I, I'm like, all right, one and done. That's yeah. It. Oh, that would be, I'm sorry. I'm just picturing that now. That would be so creepy if, it, like, we went there and, like, started playing music, and then all of a sudden you see, like, 
a or girl. like you hear from behind you like i like this song oh my god <laughs> oh my god it's like oh hi mary <laughs> oh hey how are you oh my gosh what's How's that going? you look so good i love that dress so vintage oh. <laughs> I, i'm not trying to be disrespectful okay all right what what have you got to tell me so this one's not quite as wholesome i don't even know if that was was that whole so this well, one so my story for you is a little bit wild okay um but i just want to start by saying elizabeth and i love looking at real estate um whether it's just browsing apartments we can't afford or ones that have a unit washer dryer or the dream the dream or we also really like to look at affordable houses overseas we even send each other random houses and we will like text with it oh this is definitely haunted and you know that's just a hobby her and I do especially I don't know where I was going with that but that's a hobby that Elizabeth and I have we started that when we were first apartment hunting and we just continue to do it I guess because it's it's just every house has potential yeah um so what keeps me up is what would you do if you purchased a house and it was haunted I've always said it's cool as long as they're friendly and they leave me alone but The topic for today is a home located in Gary, Indiana, and it's also known as the Hell House. Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana. (laughs) Not Louisiana, Paris, France, New York, or Rome? Yes. Yes. That one. The Hell House. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) It's haunted by the music man. Okay. (laughs) That would be terrible. I'm sorry. That would be really annoying. And it's also known to be a portal to hell. All right. Great. You ready for this one? So, in November 2011, Latoya Amos and her mother, Rosa, with her three children, moved into the Gary, Indiana home. Her children were 7, 9, and 12 at the time. Their names are not mentioned, I think, like, for their protection, especially because they are they were minors at the time. So, their home was a rental house located on Carolina Street, and it seemed to be her average home on a quiet you know, residential street, it was lined with other single-family homes. The home that they were renting had three bedrooms, a living room, one bathroom, hardwood floors, and an open-style kitchen. That sounds really nice. It sounds really nice. In the kitchen, there was a door that led to an unfinished basement. Now, in the basement, the floors were made of cement, and other under the stairs, there was a dirt floor. And around it, it looked like the concrete was, like, kind of broken. Okay. Kind of suspicious. Anyway, days later after they moved in, just days, not even settled in yet, they start to experience strange activity. And by strange, I mean a swarm of black flies formed in the porch in the middle of December. Um, and they I kept don't re- like that. Yeah, and they, they, the flies kept returning. An omen, you know, flies are an omen. Exactly, of... and they were horse flies. So they oh, were, I hate those. Yep. Those are huge. Yep. So, you know, just they just wanted to say hi, welcome. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome to our neighborhood. Well, I bought you a pie, shoe fly. Um, <laughs> that was lame. And they kept returning even after they killed them in the middle of winter. Another occurrence is after midnight, Latoya would hear footsteps climbing the basement stairs and the footsteps would reach the top of the door, and the door would creak open, but no one was there. And this was a ranch-style house, so 
Absolutely. Absolutely not. Even if the door was locked, like the door would open up. So Rosa, the grandmother, uh, said that one night she woke up to see a shadowy figure of a man pacing in the living room. And when she went up to see who it was, no one was there, but there were large wet boot marks. Oh, my God. She also reported to see a woman with red eyes wearing a hooded cloak. Uh, <laughs> so it just like all of this is so bad. It comes in so hot, right? Like there's I didn't I couldn't really find like what, you know, what Latoya did or like, you know, where they came from. It just kind of was like, OK, we moved into this rental house and all this activity is happening. Oh, my God. So. They have, like, this weird activity, and in March, just four months after moving in, this is honestly where the nightmare begins. It was around 2 a.m., and while, yes, they should have been asleep, Latoya and Rosa were mourning the loss of a loved one, and they had several friends and family members over. They started hearing the children screaming, Mama, Mama! So they ran into the 12-year-old daughter's bedroom. Just like in the movie The Exorcist. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Latoya's daughter was unconscious, and she was levitating above her bed. The, oh, my God. Everyone just started to pray. I mean, I would have started screaming. So, so there was, like, a large group of people there, right? There was a so large lots group of, of witnesses. Right. They, like, started to pray because they didn't, like, know what to do. So eventually the daughter, like, descended back onto the bed, but she had no memory of the incident. You look like you want to kill me. <laughs> no, sorry. I'm just really creeped out. I'm sorry. It's uh, okay. Keep going. Okay. <clears throat> so everyone started to pray and the daughter descended back onto the bed, but she had no memory of the incident. Afterwards, the guests left and they refused to return, which I don't blame them for. So they start to seek help from local churches. Right. I was about to say, at this point, you call a priest. Right. Well, and she couldn't move. So that's like a lot of crisis. Like the first thing people think is, why don't you just leave? They, they didn't have the funds to like break mm-hmm. their lease. Right. So she, she goes to some local churches and she called several of them, but most of them just kind of shrugged it off. But eventually one came by and recommended they do a cleanse with bleach and ammonia. And they would use olive oil to draw crosses on every door and window And they also poured it onto the hands and feet of their children and also drew crosses on their foreheads. So LaToya also made an altar in her basement because that seemed to be where most of the activity was coming from, uh, especially because like a lot of the steps would come from the basement or it would always unlock by itself. So she made like a little altar with candles and religious relics and, and salt. All family members continued to show signs of demonic possession. Oh, no. Including their eyes would bulge, they would get evil grins, and their voices would deepen. And What's an evil grin? <laughs> oh, I see. Like a sinister smile would come across oh. their face. And like it, it was like they would zone out and like they would just get like an evil smile. Okay. So I hate it. And again, like, the, the children are young, so, I mean, it's one thing to go through puberty, but to have your voice just, like, change into something really deep is, like, completely different. Oh, my God. Uh, so, a clairvoyant, or, and for those of you who don't know, that's someone who claims to have psychic abilities, came by the house and told the family that there were more than 200 demonic spirits in the house, 
or more than 200 demons and spirits. Maybe it wasn't just like 200 demons because then set it on fire at that point. But they urged them to leave. But like I said, the, the family did not have the funds to break the lease. Something also to note is the seven-year-old would spend time in the closet alone talking to an imaginary friend. Oh, no. Not an imaginary friend. And the friend would explain what it was like to be killed. Um, That's a bit... That's That's a bit much. Big yikes. Big yikes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So the seven-year-old was also thrown out of the bathroom and... A headboard smacked the 12-year-old daughter, and it required her to get stitches. Oh, my God. The daughter also told mental health professionals that she felt like she was being choked or held down to the point where she could not move or speak. She would also hear a voice in her head that would tell her that she would never see her family again or she would only live for another 20 minutes. That's terrifying. I got that quote from the Indie Star, which is like the local newspaper. Oh, my God. So now April is the month. <laughs> I was like, is that a person? So wait, how long have they been in the house at this point? So this is, they moved in in November, late November. Okay. So now in April, they contacted a physician to get help as well. They just wanted to make sure like everything was pristine or, if, you know, maybe there was like a psychological thing going on. They wanted to make sure everything was like in ship shape and... The doctor noted in the reports that he believed they were suffering from delusions of ghosts and hallucinations. He also believed that the mom was kind of encouraging the behavior, which Mm. is kind of odd. And, you know, he deemed it as if there was something that they didn't want to answer or if they were, you know, being yelled at or disciplined or, or something, they would kind of like lash out. Mm-hmm. Or it would be kind of like a defense, me- not a defense mechanism. Like a coping mechanism? Kind of a coping mechanism. Uh, I don't know, like, the history, uh, if, like, they had, like, past trauma or anything. But they mm-hmm. kind of, like, said it was kind of a, you know, covering up from having to handle it. Oh, interesting. So he also believed, like I said, he thought that the mom was, like, kind of encouraging this behavior and something to note is before they moved in, there was no, I don't know if anyone hadn't died or anything, but the former owners or people that rented it didn't have any experience of hmm. demonic entities. Mm-hmm. So what do the boys do at this doctor's appointment? Both of her sons began cursing at the doctor in demonic voices. <gasps> And according to reports by the Department of Child Services, and another staffer said the youngest, so the seven-year-old, was, quote, lifted and thrown onto the wall with no one touching him. Both of the boys passed out and were hospitalized, and that's when the investigation broke out by the Department of Child Services. Oh, wow. So this escalated then Mm -hmm. to, oh, my God. Yeah. And... There were no signs of the children to show marks of abuse, so and they all seemed to be sound-minded. Additionally, a case manager was interviewing the boys, and the younger brother started to growl and then attempted to choke his older brother. The case manager also reported a weird grin crossed the face of the nine-year-old when he, and then he continued to glide backwards on the floor, the wall, and the ceiling, and then he flipped over onto his feet. 
That was a official report, and a nurse also confirmed this. I don't like that. I don't like that. So that's what makes this so wild is like there are official reports that are saying this. It's one thing to say like, oh, my house is haunted, but they like go to a doctor. They go to a psychiatrist. There's Mm -hmm. child services all, all back in this. So the children were taken in by the Department of Child Services where they were because they were experiencing spiritual and emotional distress, obviously. So they took them away from the house. Um, but something to also note is in 2009, LaToya, the mother, was accused by child services to be neglecting her children from education. So they wouldn't show up to school a lot mm-hmm. or she kind of just, you know, I, I don't know like the extent of the report, but they also were missing school a lot. And she blamed it on like illness from where they were currently living. Mm-hmm. Um, so they took them in. Uh, without a court order or anything. So basically the state had custody of her children now. Okay. Wow. They took them away from her. Mm -hmm. Wow. Psychologists also evaluated LaToya and said that she had a fixation with demons and it might have been delusional because like I said, she seemed to be encouraging it. So it was kind of like she was playing off of, like she was fascinated by it. So she like blamed everything on oh, it's a ghost or a demon, and she, like, made her kids, like, kind of psych out about it, too. Mm -hmm. And as I had mentioned, you know, earlier, it also notes that many instances of supposed possession where children are involved could be explained by normal misbehavior being blamed on ghosts or demons. So he's having a tantrum because there's a ghost or something like that. So that is something that was kind of back and forth or... Like I said, if there was a tantrum or the kid didn't want to give an answer, they would act out. So at this point, what can you do? Uh, The family then reaches out to Michael Maginot. I like it because it ends with O-T, but the T is silent. I listened to it. Like Margot. Yeah, like my name. (laughs) Um, So Michael Maginot is a priest at St. Stephen Martyr Parish, and he requested them to perform an exorcism. So he had been a priest for over 10 years, and at that point, he had never had this type of request, but he said he'd at least interview the family. Priest Maginot goes into the family house, and they discuss what had been going on, and two hours into the interview, Rosa, the grandma, points out that there was a light flickering in the bathroom, and when Michael, the priest, would go walk over to investigate, it would stop. And he said that that was likely because of a demonic presence, because he was... religious or whatever so whenever it would like he would go near it it would stop so does the state still have the kids at this point at this point okay Mm -hmm. to note other events during this interview the blinds kept swinging in the kitchen but there was no air vent and there were also wet boot prints that they noticed the same time that that night that rosa saw it and Latoya also got a headache when the priest put the crucifix on her head. So after four hours of interviews, they deemed that it was haunted by demons and ghosts. So before leaving, priest Maginot blessed the house with holy water in each room and he read from the Bible. And like I said, because of everything going on, I mean, child services did take the children, but they wanted to also check out the house to make sure everything was like, you know, the living conditions weren't terrible or anything. Mm -hmm. So... 
Child services and the police stopped by to check the condition of the home, and the police were there at, for professional curiosity. Uh, that's what the article said. Okay. <laughs> so, the police were like, oh, well, I heard there's a ghost. Let's go yeah, check it out. Yeah, exactly. So one of the officers was Captain Charles Austin. Oh, I said Charles. 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 Uh, one of the officers that came along was Charles Austin. Captain Charles Austin, who had over 36 years of experience, and he was a skeptic going in. He now reports that after the visit, he believes that ghosts and demons are real, and he vowed never to go inside the house again. So, while they were investigating, they heard a voice on a voice recorder. Oh, I'm sorry. While they were investigating, they had a a voice recorder, and it started acting up, and they had new batteries, and it was completely drained. When they listened back to the audio, they heard a voice, clear as day, whisper, hey. Oh, God, I don't like that. And in real time, they hadn't heard anything. So you can also see this on police reports. Mm -hmm. There was also a photo taken in the basement by the stairs, and it showed a cloudy figure. And when you zoom in, you can see a face. Another image is of a green figure that seemed to resemble a woman. There's a famous photo that will pop up every time you Google this house, and it's a photo of the outside of the house, and in the front screen porch, you see a a white figure, even though when the photo was taken, no one was in the house. That's so creepy. Mm -hmm. So Captain Austin said that once he left, when he started his car on his radio, he heard static, and he heard you out of here come through. Ah. After leaving, he said he felt as if the spirits followed him because when he got home, his garage door refused to open, even if, like, all the power was on and everything. Additionally, the driver's seat of the car started to move forward and backward on its own. So he took it to a mechanic to get it looked at, and the motor of the seat was broken, and it could have caused an accident if he didn't get it checked. Oh, my God. So that's super wild. He had a malicious attachment. I know. So a week later, in the month of May, Rosa Latoya, Captain Austin, and two other police officers returned to the house alongside Priest Maginot and as well as the uh, child services case manager, Samantha Illich. They go down into the basement, and Samantha touched a strange liquid that was dripping in the basement. It didn't have an odor, but it was slippery but sticky between her fingers. Ectoplasm? Maybe. Fucking gross. I don't, I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> As I mentioned before, the, the basement was unfinished. The floor was concrete, but there was that wood, or I'm sorry, the dirt beneath the stairs. So they decided to dig it up to see if they could find anything because priest Maginot said maybe there's like a pentagram maybe there's a body maybe there's a candle and it's like why have you gone this long without (laughs) without you know digging it up yeah so officers dug a four by three foot hole and here's what they found oh god okay a pink press on fingernail a white pair of panties a political shirt pin a lid for a cooking pan, socks with the bottom cut below the ankles, candy wrappers, 
and some sort of metal object that looked like it was a weight for a drape cord. Okay, so those things seem normal? They seem like Like random trash? Kind of, yeah. It was just bizarre. Like, uh, nothing like super sinister, but I think, I mean, for me, the press on fingernail and the panties are really freaky. Yeah, that's pretty weird. But, like, essentially just trash. So nothing like super malicious. Nothing else was found. So they continue to walk the house, and the police find an oil-like substance dripping from the walls in one of the bedrooms. So they wipe it down, and they close it off for 25 minutes to make sure, like, no one tampers with it because they thought maybe, like, LaToya or Rosa, like, put it in there. So they wipe it down, they close it off, and then they go back in, and it was there again. But there was, like, no source of where it could be coming from. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So Priest Maginot said that was likely because of a demonic presence. Great. So they move into the living room and Samantha, the social worker, starts to feel her pinky finger tingle and it starts to turn white and she says it's so painful it feels like it was broken. So she decides to go wait outside because she felt like she was going to have like a panic attack. So Chief Austin also left because he did not want to be there when he was dark. He vowed he wouldn't go back there, but he's like, I'm leaving. Like, I don't want to be here during the dark um, or at night. So at this time, Maginot performs an intense blessing of the home and a minor exorcism on LaToya. So two officers and Samantha were still there. Samantha reported that she felt like something strange was going on, but she wasn't completely convinced it was demonic. She was kind of skeptical But she did say the whole thing gave her chills and it felt like someone was in the room with you and like breathing on your neck. Oh. Now keep in mind, Maginot did not have permission to do a full-blown exorcism. I guess it's because you need permission from like the higher-ups in church. Oh, really? Or he had never done one before, so he didn't have like the full okay to do it, which I thought was interesting. I didn't know. I mean, I don't know if they teach you like exorcisms in preschool but pre not preschool priest (laughs) preschool (laughs) honestly i say it all the time like the catholic church is basically the occult it kind of is it's so witchy and like ritually and stuff like it it is it's wild yeah anyway so he that's why he performs sort of a light one so now we're in june of 20 12 and this is like seven months after they initially moved in within that span three exorcisms were performed because he did eventually get permission and he said that this would be able to be more powerful because he does have the church backing him up and something to note is Latoya and her mother did eventually move out and lived with relatives so they got out of there but the kids are still not in custody oh wow so because latoya was no longer living in the house it was still like vacant but she went to the church to get an exorcism because they didn't want to like do it intensely and if they think it's like attacking her they didn't want to have like that other energy from the house Mm -hmm. so they were doing an exorcism on her not on the house at this point yeah okay so during the first one it was kind of like anticlimactic it was just like an exor- like they did prayers and stuff, but nothing really came from it. So they did a second exorcism, and this one was a little bit more violent. Like she started to 
like feel pain and like jerk around and she said it was it, she felt as if something was trying to hold on to her and cause her great pain at the same time she also said it felt like natural pain but it was in as intense as childbirth wow the last exorcism was towards the end of june 2012 so this was on the 29th and he did it in latin instead of english power move yep he's like all right (laughs) breaking out the big gun agnes day let's go (laughs) the power of christ compels you so she convulsed when he addressed the demons but did not during prayer so that was kind of a sign that i was moving on because a lot of the times when you pray like that's when it gets really intense Mm -hmm. and eventually she fell asleep oh and he just like continued to pray and after that, he never heard from her again. Wow. So that's kind of an odd plot twist. Yeah. I think. So eventually, LaToya regained custody of her kids in November of 2012. So six months after they were removed. Mm-hmm. She said that now they are living a happy life and there is no demonic presences or spirits in their current home. So that's kind of like the happy end into this. But there's more. Oh, gosh. Okay. Later on, in 2014, none other than Zach Bagans. <laughs> <laughs> my my idol, my love, Zachary. <laughs> Zachary from Glen Ellen, Illinois. <laughs> Every time he's like, I'm from Las Vegas, we're like, no, no you're not. not. You're from Glen Ellen. <laughs> Zach, get it together. He purchased the home. Oh, of course he did. Of course he did. Because why wouldn't he? Because <laughs> he's Zach Baggins. Him and his biceps. <laughs> so he purchased the home and two weeks later he tore it down. Why? Because he was going to make a documentary on the house, which is exclusive to Travel Channel. So we can't watch it because we don't have Travel Channel and we're trying to figure it out. <sighs> but he said he'll reveal why he did in the documentary. So that's like a tweet, a, a teaser that the world did not need. So when is this documentary coming out? It, well, it came out, I think, in 2018. Oh, so okay. So it had, it had come out All right. at we'll, this time. We'll find it somewhere. We'll find it somewhere. But when Zach was talking to reporters, he said, and I quote, Something was inside that house and had the ability to do things I had never seen before. It's a really good impression. Thank you. <clears throat> so he said <laughs> things that uh, others carry from the highest forms of credibility couldn't explain either and he also continued to say there was something there that was very dark yet highly intelligent and powerful so now to this day it remains a empty grass lot so whether or not you believe it's true or whether or not you you know, think the whole thing was fabricated or exaggerated. It is backed by doctors, police officers, and nurses, as well as social workers. So that's what makes this a little bit extra wild. And, you know, I don't really, nothing against Zach, but, you know, I feel like he did that just to kind of hype up his, like, documentary on it. Right. So something to also note is I know I mentioned chief austin like kind of had Mm -hmm. experiences afterwards but so did the social worker 
Samantha, and weeks after she had visited the house, she also felt like she had an attachment because she had third-degree burns from a motorcycle, and then followed by she broke her ribs on a jet ski. She broke her hand when she hit a table. Oh, my God. And she broke her ankle. But that was because she went running in flip-flops, so that one's on her. (laughs) Samantha, come on. Come on, Samantha. Wait, why would you go running... I mean, I don't know if she like went for a run. I I worded that weird, but she was like running in flip-flops. So that was my bad. Oh, God. So that is the Hell House, also known as one of the portals to hell or the demon house. I want to thank David for suggesting this story. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. One of our loyal listeners. Appreciate you. Also, I forgot to mention this earlier, but I wanted to give a shout out to my friend Justin he said he was listening to our second episode, The Turnips of Terror, and he got to the part about the turnipal lanterns. And he said he was like scrolling through his timeline on Facebook, and then a picture of a, a turnip came up, and he said it like looked like shrunken heads, and it wasn't the ones that we posted. Anyway, so I told him I would manifest a win in lotto ticket. So there you go. All right. We can, well, I'll. Yeah, put that out into the universe for you, Justin. Yep. Um, so there you have it. That's wild. Like with a cool cast of characters, like that would make a really good movie or something or a yeah. Netflix series. Sure, for sure. For sure. So I'm glad they're all okay. Again, there's a lot of, I think it's wild that it's backed up. They, um, you know, still to this day, are like protecting the kids and they're not like releasing their names or they've never been interviewed so mm-hmm. you've only heard it from like the mom and grandma's perspective so so in 10 years we're gonna get like a i don't know I 2020 the, yeah <laughs> i lived in the demon house like absolutely thanks for listening everyone thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed our second round of paranormal stories Tune in next week, and we will be talking about things we wish we learned in school again. Oh, there's so much. So much. I did not learn. How do I even pick? I have no idea. So we're going to go watch Twilight. New Moon. New Moon. With the best Twilight soundtrack. If you have not listened to the Twilight New Moon soundtrack, (laughs) please go do it right now. It's It's so good. It's so angsty. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. We want to thank the artists that have helped us. Our music is composed by Colin Whitlish, and production of the music is by Justin Toom. And our artwork is by Erica Chase. Tune in next week. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I don't, where else that, do you where find I, podcasts? Podbean. Podbean. That's where we host it. Uh, host it with the most it. What was I gonna say? Do you want to tell them? Do you want to tell them where to find us? Yes, yes, I will. You can find us on social media, Twitter, and Facebook, and Instagram. And please send us an email at theinsomniareport at gmail dot com with your own stories, so that we can feature you on our listener episode. Or if you have questions or comments or just want to say hi shoot us a note yeah at the yeah. insomnia report at gmail.com yeah do you say that already i'm sure you did oh yeah but that's <laughs> fine and leave us a rating on apple Podcasts. that would be amazing yes thank, thank you, you to everyone
Yeah, I've already you. Said <laughs> Thank you to everyone. And uh, you can follow us on social media. Did you say that? I just like I did. I zoned out. I'm sorry. Oh, you're, you're so fine. Um. So thank you for thank you. being here. We are gonna sage the apartment now. Yep. I will. Just a little. Oh, perfect. Oh, that smells so good. It does. Like cleansed air and energy. Yes. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Stay sleepy. 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 Yeah. Stay sleepy. Stay sleepy. If you can't sleep, let us know why. Oh, (laughs) and vote. Yes. On November 3rd. If you haven't already. Or before. If you live in Wisconsin, they will not count (laughs) your ballot if it arrives at the ballot place after election day even if you postmark it by election day yeah so So, like mail them right now yes do we have listeners in wisconsin yes a couple we do okay cool all four of you yeah please please (laughs) please please vote and have a plan and yeah yeah all right we'll see you on the other side of this next week (laughs) my goodness